somebody and smile. How's everybody? Let's stand together. Have you come to bless the Lord? Lord, we lift you in this place. We magnify you. We glorify you, Lord. Come to sing to him. Put it together. You give me joy, and you give me life. You give me strength to stand in the fire. And now I can live. I live what I see. Showing the world how to worship a king. Lord, I give you thanks. God, I give you praise. Give you a life that shows I'm living like a child who bears your name. And now with every
glorify the Lord together. He is worthy. We bless you, O Lord. We praise your name, O God, for you are the mighty King, worthy of all. Hallelujah. We bless you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. We lift you up, Lord. We magnify you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let the King of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the King of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. And you are good, you're good, oh, you are good, good, oh, and you are good, you're good, oh, you are good, good, oh, let the key.
Pray. 
darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, your silence fear, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, oh Jesus, Jesus, could you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, your silence Jesus, Jesus, can you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, your name is a light that the shadows can't deny, your name cannot be overcome, your Overcome your name is alive forever lifted high. Your name cannot be overcome. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, and you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, your silence fades. Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, 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 oh sweet Jesus, Jesus, yeah, you make the darkness tremble. Jesus, Jesus, your silence fails. Jesus, Jesus. You make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Your name is a light that the shadows can't deny. Your name. Silence fear, Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, your name is Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus, your silence fear, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble, Jesus, Jesus. Your name. Your name cannot 
everybody in church today aren't you glad to be here isn't it good to be alive you could be dead so it's good to be alive and uh, in the presence of the Lord today uh, I do want to give a quick announcement really quick for next week we've got some changes on our plans for social distancing based on the way that we uh, did our survey just wanting to try to um, you know as a pastor and leaders we try to keep everybody happy I read a book a long time ago that told me it don't matter what you do, you can't achieve that goal. But we do try to try to help both sides to be content and satisfied. And so what we're going to do is you walk in the back door next week. We're supposed to be getting signs this week, Sandra and I. But when you walk through the, back, the front door, I always say the back door because I'm always up here. But when you walk through the front doors of the church, you're standing here on your right hand side, on this side. This is going to be the non-social distance side. That means for those that said, you know, it doesn't matter to me, uh, you can come on this side. For those that want to continue practicing social distancing, this is going to be your side. The tape that's up there is going to remain just like it is. The only difference is next week, this tape will be removed. There's going to be two exits for the right side of the church. I'm going to open up this door where you can exit out this way and also going to flow you out through the front doors of the uh, church here in the foyer. For those that are on the social distance side, you can just make your way right down the wall here. You can even avoid the middle aisle and you can just go right around and it just leads you around through our office front entrance right there. And so you can exit from that way. Everybody kind of got that plan. I'll announce it again next week. I think it's pretty simple and uh, that way that we just want everybody to be happy with that. And as I said before, we, we, we will respect everyone that's the way we do we respect everyone I walk in stores some people wear a mask some people don't but I respect the people that do and and I don't push my own personal preference on them so we want you to do whatever you feel comfortable doing the main goal is just to have everybody in church that's what I want and uh, Easter Sunday's rolling around here uh, I believe it's the is it the fourth the fourth yes two weeks so invite somebody to come to Easter Sunday if we run out of space on social distance side We've got some room in the hallway here for people. I promise you, we'll get them in here, all right? Also, I never make an announcement of this, but our offering bowls, when you walk through those back doors, there's two golden-type bowls on either side. For those that don't know, that's where we take our tithes and offerings. So thank you for your continued giving. A couple prayer requests, and I'm going to get started on my sermon. Joanne Merck, Billy Grant, continued prayers. Kel Mickler, who had surgery, he's going to be better in a few weeks, praying that that's a success for them. Also for Ardo Shields, got a call from Judy this morning that he needs special prayer. Had a rough night last night. He needs uh, the Lord to touch him. Also continue prayers for Sheila as she's recovering from some surgeries that she had. If you love Jesus, shout amen. amen. All right, let's go. In the book of Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 and 17, I want to preach on moving into the promised land. How many of you want to get to the promised land? I mean, that just sounds good, don't it? That's the land that's flowing with milk and honey. That's where everybody wants to be. But today I'm going to show you that before you move into a promised land, oftentimes there's some more things you're going to have to go through before you're able to get there. And we'll see that through the story of Israel today. 
But look at this scripture. Revelation 12. And they have defeated him, the, the dragon, the devil, the enemy, by the blood of the lamb and by their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. Now I want you to just leave it right there for a minute. What that last line means is that they love Jesus more than they love themselves. Woo. Now that right there, ladies and gentlemen, is a point that we could take and we could run with. But there's a lot of people today, whether they want to admit it or not, we've fallen in this place that we love ourselves more than we love God. Oh, praise the Lord. But these people, they love Jesus so much that they were willing to die for Him. Verse 17. And the dragon was angry. How many of you know today the devil is angry? How many of you know the devil is angry with you? He's angry with your family. He's angry with this church. So what does he do to the woman? He declares war against her and the rest of her children. All who keep God's commandments and maintain their testimony for Jesus Christ. Oh my God, have mercy. Today I want somebody to understand that I don't expect everybody to be a praiser. I don't expect everybody to be faithful all the time. I know there's times that we get discouraged. I know there's times that even the best of us, sometimes we even feel like giving up. Am I not right? I mean, we just don't understand the use of going on. All of us have been there, from the preacher to the back door. And I know every service that we come in, we don't feel like shouting. And every service we come in, we don't feel like lifting hands and praising God. We're tired. We had a rough day. Congratulations to Nathan and Beth. I, I, I doubt they're watching today. Maybe they are. But congratulations. We sent them off married last night. Hallelujah to God. And so I understand. Some of you stayed later than I did because Jennifer and I, are getting a little older, and so we go to bed earlier now. Some of you are laughing at me. I'm 37. You're all what? But yeah, go. We went to bed. Some of you stayed later. I know you're tired and daylight. Oh my God, man! I got home late. I understand. There's days like that. But what I want you to know, what I see God doing in the church now, in this last day and hour, that I believe God is doing. I believe that regardless of the mountains and the hills that we have to climb up and the hard times that we face. I sense in my spirit that not only in our church, but in churches all across the world, that God is raising up a remnant people. That regardless of what the devil does, regardless of what the enemy says, this remnant is going to be faithful. And in the end, this remnant is going to stand all the trials and tribulations that they have to go through. It's not everyone that's going to get it. The people who just show up to church and say, well, it's another Sunday and it's the right or the religious thing to do may not get what I'm talking about today. It isn't a major criticism. It isn't a put down. It is the reality. But it is up to us to decide which category that we are going to fall into as Christians. This has nothing to do with ability. It has nothing to do with access. It is a decision that we must consciously make ourselves as to whether or not We are going to be part of this last day remnant that God is wanting us to be a part of. You see, it is the remnant that says, oh, my God, we've come too far to turn back. It's the remnant that says we've come too far. We've been through too many battles. I'm not quitting God now. I'm going to go on. It is the remnant that is going to say, I'm so hungry for God. I'm so hungry for you, Lord, that there is absolutely nothing in this entire world that can satisfy the craving on the inside. See, that's all that sinners do. They run around all the time. You see millionaires, billionaires, and they they spend a pile of money and they buy yachts and they buy a new house and a new car and they do all these things. I've even seen Christians try to do it and they're just unfulfilled in their life, always want more and more and more. But the remnant gets to a place that they begin to understand the things that I have in this life are only temporary. The house I live in is only temporary. The car that I'm driving, I really know it's only temporary. Uh, we're just praying at last that Jesus comes. I know it's temporary, but what I'm telling you is the remnant, the remnant people are the people that say, man, I'm going to tell you, you can take this whole world, but give me Jesus. Now, now I know there's a lot of people in here date you. Oh, praise God, I'm part of that remnant, but are we really? Oh, come on, somebody. This, 
It may get a little tight today, but I promise you it's, it's going to bless you. I, I'm glad to be a part of that remnant. There is a church inside of the church that God is raising up in this last day and hour called the remnant. The remnant cannot be shaken no matter what the devil does, and he knows it. The remnant will not give up. They refuse to. The remnant, even if you say, you know what, we're going to kill you. They love not their lives to death. They did not care if this physical body was taken. Taken from them, they still serve Jesus anyhow. It is the remnant that walks in faith. It is the remnant that says, I know the promise is coming. No matter what I see. No matter what is going on around me. No matter the circumstance I'm facing. I know my miracle is on the way. That's remnant mentality. Not everybody's part of the remnant. It's the Joshua and the Caleb that goes and spies out the promised land. And as they're looking, there's 10, 12 spies. 10 come back, you know the story, with a bad negative report. We saw giants, we looked like grasshoppers in their size, in their sight. And they're talking about how little they are. But Joshua and Caleb come back talking about how big the grapes are. And the fruit of the land. They didn't look at the enemy and how big the enemy was. They looked at the spoil that they were going to get when they got there. And they see milk flowing with, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they've got grapes that have to be carried on the shoulders of two grown men. This is a remnant mentality. That when everybody else said we might as well give up, we might as well quit. There's no way we're going to make it into the promised land. It's a remnant called Joshua and Caleb. Two men that stand alone to say, you know what? If God promised it, God is going to give it to us. That is what the remnant does. See, we must understand in Revelation 12, 17, it's a unique story. Because there's a warning to us as this dragon is chasing the woman. And we know it's representative of Christ and how that the baby was to be born. And the dragon tries to swallow up. The baby in a flood. He wants to kill the baby before it's born. Because he knows if he can do away with Jesus Christ. Then he can do away with the remnant. If he can do away with Jesus Christ. He can do away with any point of salvation. Any redemption that the world will ever know. So he goes and makes war. Not only with Jesus. But with the remnant. I want somebody to understand. That if you are truly a follower of Christ. You are going to be attacked by the devil. I, I want to put this as plain as I can. And I think everybody including kids will understand this. If you do not fight battles with the devil. It is because you are not part of the remnant. Is, is that plain enough? So today if the devil never knocks on my door. If the devil's never tempting me to do wrong, you know, somebody's, I hate for the devil to tempt me. Well, I love it. Because it reminds me that I'm still part of that crowd. The day that Satan leaves me alone and the day that Satan says, oh, we ain't got to worry about Jim Bob. He's going he's to live wicked and do the wrong things. No, no, no. He's going to know there's a heart after God in that man. And I've got to keep on fighting him. I've got to keep on. So I love it when the devil shows up and tries to get me to fail, tries to get me to sin because it reminds me I'm still part of that remnant. See, somebody needs to understand today. If the devil's not fighting you, maybe you need to get in the remnant. Maybe you need to say, God, make me one of those that will stand the test of time no matter what happens in this old wicked world. So if, if, if you have been in the remnant, then you are part of the real church. That's not the church of God. That's not the Methodist. That's not the Baptist. That's not the holiness. This is God's church I'm talking about, ladies and gentlemen. It's the church of the redeemed. It's people that are truly born again. Because there's church of God people going to hell. There's Baptist folks on their way, regardless of their once saved, always saved theology. They're on their way to hell. The devil knows it. God knows it. They know it. But they just ignore the facts. What I'm telling you is thank God for a remnant. The real church of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, to that church I speak over you, the gates of hell will come against you. But the gates of hell shall not prevail against you. Why? Because we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb of Jesus Christ that I just preached about. And we are overcomers by the word of our testimony when we tell the world and tell the devil what Jesus Christ has done for us. Aren't you glad for the remnant? Give God praise in this house. Oh God. So, 
So, so we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb. Now, the blood does three main things as I hurry along. Blood removes waste from your body. The blood actually takes the waste from your body. It gets it to the kidneys, to the liver. The excretion takes place and it cleans you out. Oh man, what a spiritual symbolism here. The Bible says, look at 1 John 1. I'm going to remind you of what the Bible says. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, we have fellowship with each other. And these are some good preaching scriptures. Because one of the first ways that you know you walking in the light, you serving Jesus, is first off, you can get along with your brother and sister. If you can't get along with your brother and sister, you better watch out. I'm questioning whether or not you're walking in the light or not. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, what does it do? It cleanses us from all sin. I love it. If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But the blood of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, it washes it out. It cleans it out. See, what some of us need is a spiritual blood transfusion. Because when the blood of Jesus hits your life, it gets all of the unclean stuff out of our system. See what the sin do? Sin clogs up our spiritual veins, if I can say it that way. That is why I plead the blood of Jesus over my life all the time. That's why I plead the blood of Jesus over my children all the time, over my family. Because I don't want sin clogging up these old spiritual veins. I want the blood of Jesus to wash through me every single day. I want it to keep the world out of me. Come on, somebody. Why are you like that? Because I know one of these days, Jesus Christ is going to split the eastern skies and I'm going to want the blood running through me. Point number two. The second thing the blood does is it controls the body's temperature. So, did you know if you go to the doctor and you're having heart issues a lot of times, you'll find that your feet are constantly cold. Constantly. They're just cold. You know what they figure out? The blood's not circulating properly to keep the proper temperature. Am I not right? So there, there's clogs in the arteries. and it's not. So if my hands are getting cold and they're tingling, they're numb, it's signs that there's a poor circulation that is moving throughout my body. You can catch on to it. If your whole body goes cold, guess what? It ain't going to be long before you're dead. Because the body and the blood in the body. But the Bible said at one point that the blood is the life. It's the lifeblood. So as long as the blood is flowing, my temperature's right. In other words, the lack of blood flow will make you cold and indifferent. Does that not look like some of our churches today? Because the Bible declares, and I'll just quote it to you. He said, because iniquity or sin shall abound, the love of many shall wax. There is a circulation issue in the spiritual body of Christ. Many have grown cold and indifferent. You lose the flow when you do not apply the blood and allow it to flow through your life. It happens through the blood of the Lamb. Many have grown cold because their flow of the Holy Spirit in their life has stopped. And what we end up with is a Revelation chapter 3 church called Laodicea. They had a circulation issue because they were growing lukewarm. They're once on fire. They're once on the firing line. They're once the church that you should go to. But all of a sudden through the years there's a lack of blood flow. The temperature has changed. The blood of Christ, the circulation in the body, the Holy Spirit flowing through us, it stopped. And since it stopped, this fiery church, their temperature begins to drop. And eventually, guess what happens? Eventually the church dies. Oh, no wonder... Satan hates the blood of Jesus so much because it brings life to his church. It is our life flow. Point number three. Finally, the Bible says that when they were in Egypt, the blood brought God's people out of bondage. Hallelujah. I want you to understand this. How many of you know that the blood is able to break your chains? I want you to understand that. We've sent people to... Doctors, shrinks, you know what I'm saying? We've said, well, that's their medical profession. And a lot of stuff that we've diagnosed as mental issues sometimes or a demon issue. Come on, somebody. And I know it's true. I know it's real. I know it's real. But I'm just saying there's times that as church, I feel like we don't deal 
with the demon and the enemy. We don't understand the forces of enemy of the enemy are fighting against people, folks. The reason that people are getting in the condition to where they're having these mental issues and these breakdowns is because of the work of the enemy. We've got to get that off of their life. The blood of Jesus pleading it over your life can break the bondage. That's exactly what happened for God's people. Now, I want you to grab this, and I'm going to do it. There are three levels of blessings in God I want to deal with. The covenant relationship in Egypt. Talking about Israel coming out of Egypt. The covenant relationship in the wilderness. And then I want you to see the covenant relationship when they moved into the promised land. The first one is the covenant relationship in Egypt. This is what we will call for note takers the land of not enough. All right? The land of not enough. This is what they had in Israel. And it is a type of us. Part of these three levels that we're going to talk about of not enough. This is the first. Many of you are in Egypt. And you understand what it means to be in bondage. You understand there's some sitting here today. That you know you're not where you should be with God. You know that. Pastor doesn't have to preach it. Don't have to get you under conviction. The Holy Spirit, if you pray every day, the Holy Spirit's already convicted you. The Holy I don't have to do His job. He does it just fine Himself. He convicts us and says, you're not where you need to be. You're not doing the things you should do. You're not living the way you should live. So we all know what this means. And what happens in those seasons is the enemy begins to bind us. He begins to limit us. We try to pray, it hits the ceiling and falls back down on our head. Because he has bound us up. Do you understand? And so here we are in this land of not enough. We feel like we need more. You, you, maybe even financially. Anybody know what that's like? When, when you got a bill to pay but you just don't have enough? I mean, I've been there folks. I've been there where I just didn't have enough. I, I'm going to tell you, I've been there where I didn't have enough to pay the rent or to pay the house payment. I know what that's like when you sit back and just say, I do not have enough. And the thing that you said is, I do not know what I'm going to do. But I want to say to somebody today, praise the Lord that God don't leave us in Egypt. For those that plead the blood of Jesus over their life, I'm glad to report to you today that He can break every chain, every financial bondage He's put on your life. God can snap that at the drop of a hat. Every addiction you're dealing with and you don't know how to get away from it, I'm here to tell somebody that God can break you out of that mess. See, the thing about the three stages... When we think about Egypt, when we think about the wilderness, when we think about the promised land. What I need you to grab is that it doesn't matter what stage you're at. That God is in every stage. They were in the land of not enough. But guess who showed up and provided for them even when they didn't have enough. His name is Jesus Christ. My God Almighty. And I'll talk about that more a little bit. The wilderness experience is a second covenant relationship. It's in the wilderness. And this is a problem that Israel had. When they were in Egypt, in the land of not enough, they had this slave mentality. They're stuck. They had this slave mentality that Pharaoh will always rule over them. They had this mentality that they will be the tail and not the head. They had this mentality that they are the victim and they are not the victor. They had this mentality that nothing will change. It's always going to be this way. But then one night, in the middle of it all, Brad, they decided one night, we're going to apply the blood. (laughs) We have been here long enough. And so they get some hyssop branches and they take this young goat and they dip the blood and they begin to rub it over the sides of a doorpost. And what they're doing in essence is pleading the blood of Jesus over their home. God, bring us out of this place. So when they put the blood on the doorpost, it brought them out of the land of not enough into a wilderness experience. So now when they move from, from, from Egypt to the wilderness experience, they went to a new land. And now instead of being in the land of not enough, they get in the land of just enough. See, see some of you in here, you're talking about, man, I always live in victory. We all know that's a lie. We know it. You, You can do a fairy tale blog on Facebook or 
Twitter, whatever blog you do, Instagram, whatever else they got out there nowadays. You can do your little fancy blogs, talk about how good life is. We all know it's a bunch of baloney. It ain't like that every week, folks. I don't care how good you got it. it there's times that it's simply bad. There's times it is. And so what God does is He says, because you've applied the blood, because you're heading down the right path, because you're starting to act like you want to be a part of the remnant. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take you to a land and in the weirdness I'm going to give you just enough. Sometimes that's the only thing I got in my Christian walk with God. Sometimes I don't have a surplus. Sometimes I don't come to the pulpit all the time saying, my God, woo, 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 I can't wait till today. This is going to be good. No, no, no. Sometimes I have just enough to get behind the pulpit and share that word. It happens. I'm sure y'all singers, musicians, sometimes you may not feel like it, but God's brought you out of Egypt. You've pleaded the blood. You're wanting to be a part of that remnant. And sometimes God gives you a little nudge and you have just enough to do one more service. Woo! There's some of you in here today that maybe you thought about giving up, but God's moved you out of Egypt and He's put you in the wilderness experience. It's not the best place to be. It's not the best land to dwell in. It's not what you would have chosen. But guess what? God shall supply all your needs according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So now you've got just enough of what you need. Woo. So when they... They move into the wilderness experience. They go to this just enough. When, when they are in the wilderness, guess what God does? He sends them manna every single day. But you know what's so interesting about the story? For you that haven't read your Bible in a while. What's interesting is the manna's falling. They walk outside their tent and say, oh, what is it? Oh, we don't know what it is. Just eat it. You ever told your kids, quit being picky, just eat it. Man, I remember my daddy made me sit down one night and he said, Son, you are not moving. Leaving this table until you eat. And I had mustard, greens, and coffee. I love them now. I love them now. I love them now. And so they walk out. They pick up their manna. They eat their manna. They go back in their tent. But a guy gets this bright idea and says, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to go ahead and get a bundle on it. I'm going to take my basket out. You know, I mean, I might as well. Let's go. It's kind of like the popcorn at Nathan and Beth's wedding last night. I started to grab a couple and put in my pocket, but I didn't. And so they said, we're going to grab the basket. We're going to throw it in. And so they go out and they get the man and they're trying to get it all up. Man, it's everywhere. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah to the Lamb. We'll eat this in the morning. But when they get up in the morning, guess what it is? It's molded. Because God did not intend that this time He's teaching them a lesson that you're not always going to have a surplus. You are not always going to feel blessed. You are not going to always feel like the world is laying at your feet and doing whatever you say. Sometimes it is one day at a time. And so they finally learn this lesson that they go out every day and God gives them what? Just enough. They're not overflowing. It's probably healthier for them. They weren't overeating. They just eat and get full and they stop. Would you serve God if all God gave you was just enough? Will you you serve God if the surplus leaves and all you have is a little man at your doorstep every morning and you're living off a meager, would you still serve him? See, see, I thought about Sister Collins. She's a dear sister in our church. She, she used to testify and she was so precious. And this old lady would stand up and she'd tell stories about how that God had always provided. And one of the things that she always said, Hillary, was she'd say, all right, church, my little God, she said, little children, she said, God promises bread and water. She said, and God is providing my needs, but thank God that every now and then he gives me my wants. Now, that's a woman in the remnant, folks. <laughs> oh, God. Nowadays, we like God owes it to me. I serve him, bless God. He should do it for me. You see the change in mentality here? That's not remnant mentality. Remnant mentality says, my God takes care of me. And when I have needs, it's there. And, that's the thing. and she used to tell, she said, I, I got the kids one night, called them to supper. I looked in my cupboard. She said, there's no food in there. I didn't have any groceries whatsoever. And she said, so I called the kids because the Holy Spirit said, set the table, set the table. And so she sets the table. She calls the kids, wash up. And she says, while she's waiting, all of a sudden there's a knock on the door. It must have been an angel, she said. If it was a person, then it was a person that was an angel that day. She never saw who it was. But when she opens up the door, there's two or three bags of groceries. 
groceries and she said thank you Jesus I didn't have anything but God gave me just enough takes it in and cooks supper for our family listen to me but I want you to understand that if you are part of the remnant you are a rare breed because you've got connections with the guy that created this entire universe and my Lord if he can't take care of me how in the world did he make this world in six days I'm telling you my God can take care of me and my needs why will I worry why will I fret God's on my side so so now we go to the promised land I gotta hurry so this this is the covenant relationship in the promised land but before the promised land notice there's learning there's testing going on there's Egypt there's slaves in Egypt they become sons in the wilderness so when God is trying to do something in you he moves you first from the land of not enough a type of the world when we get saved he brings us to the land of just enough wilderness experiences they have just enough each morning they go and they pick it up and they eat it the next day they do the same God sends it right back day after day and this is where some of you are but thank God you are not at the level of not enough thank God that you've reached the level of just enough and you ought to praise God for that you're on the right path because you're moving into the promised land watch People are too passive, too passive about their land of more than enough. Because when God gets them there, they don't no longer have to beg for food, right? They no longer wait for manna to fall. They just walk out to the grapes and get a big one. They go to the milk and honey and they eat until they're full. Everything that they need is here. The land is fertile. The soil is good. They plant their own gardens. God gives the increase. Everything is going great. But we have to be careful when we move into our promised land. Because if we're not careful and we take it for granted, God may put you back in the wilderness to teach you a lesson of His goodness and being thankful for what He has done. Because we can get so passive. We can get to this place of unthankfulness when we reach a land of more than enough. They have this attitude, if God is going to do it, He's going to do it. They have the attitude, well, if it's the will of God, then it'll just happen. No, the soldier has to put his boots on. And he has to say, I have had enough of not enough. I have had enough of just enough. I am moving into the land of more than enough where there is plenty. Never get satisfied where you are with God. There is always more. And so here we go as God moves us to this place his desire for us is from being content and happy with just enough he wants us to go to this next dimension of the promised land he wants us to understand that we are the head and not the tail we have joy peace righteousness of God on us so as we move into our promised land I'll close with these points we need to be aware of three relationships that Jesus mentions to us he tells us about hirelings about servants and about intimate friends the first one is the hireling a hiring, hireling looks for reward for his work. In other words, he is there to get out of it what he can. The hireling is there only for the paycheck, right? Jesus calls this man a hireling. Now, for most of you, you're thinking about the leader. And true, he does speak to leaders when he speaks to this. But look at verse 12. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not on the sheep. He sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. The wolf catches the sheep and he scatters them. The hireling, what does he do? He flees because he is a hireling. He don't care about the sheep. And so we use this in, in, in talking about leaders, alright? And that's true. But most of us here today, when we first got saved, we were basically hirelings too. Because when we got saved, we thought this God brought us out of bondage. I asked Him for it and God gave it to me. And so if we're not careful, we get this mentality in the promised land when things are good that we can come to God and we can pray and we're going to get what we can get out of Him. Right? 
That's why we start praying, God, give me this. God, bless me here. We never say, God, I just want to praise you for who you are. So in that essence, we become like the hireling. What can you give me? I came because I needed some peace and God gave me peace. I came because I wanted this shame and guilt lifted. So, so we many times are hirelings even after years of being saved. When we need to understand this Father God relationship that we have with Him. We don't have to beg Him for bread. <laughs> because He gives His children and His remnant bread. Don't be a hireling. Don't spend your life telling God what He can do for you or give for you. Come on somebody. Secondly, the servant. In Matthew 10, 24, Jesus said, A servant is not above his master. A hireling says, I'm here to get a new car. I'm here and I claim it in the name of Jesus. But when you're a servant, a servant, you are not here anymore for what you can get. When you become a servant, watch this. You get this mentality and this change that you are seeking the kingdom of God first. You are doing what God told you to do. You're just trying to be faithful. And do you know what happens in that environment? Are you ready? Stuff just starts showing up. You don't beg for it. You don't ask for it. You're just his servant. I just want to do your will. All I want to do is win people for Jesus. All I want to do is get people in this church to heaven. And then all of a sudden, I'm not having the bag anymore. All of a sudden, God's just blessing me. When you get into the promised land, you need to understand the promise of Matthew. Where he said, seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these other things are just going to be added to you. Remnant mentality, folks. Remnant mentality. And then there's that intimate friend. There's one more in John 15, 15. The Bible says, No longer do I call you servants. Come on, the piano, Sandra. I'm closing. No longer do I call you servants. Notice this wording. For a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I, I call you friends. For all things that I heard from my father. Watch this. I have made known to you. Now, if you don't watch it, you're going to miss this. He calls first off. He says, I'm not going to call Johnny a servant anymore. This guy's a remnant man. This guy's in the promised land. This guy has moved up with me to, the, to this level. Johnny is no longer my servant. Now, Johnny, you are my friend. That, that, are y'all with me? Think about that. When you think about Abraham, God called him friend. Just think about that relationship. You are friend. Listen to me. Jeff Bezos, he's the Amazon founder. I've never met the guy. I've spent way too much money to help make him rich. And you have too. I've never met the guy. I probably never will meet the guy. Quite frankly, I don't even care if I meet the guy. But at the end of the day, who cares about Jeff Bezos? Who cares about a Donald Trump? Who cares about meeting Joe Biden? Who cares about any of these things? The King of kings and the Lord of lords has called me his friend. Now, now, now y'all are going to miss this. If I just went on through it, you would have missed this. Watch this. Notice what else he says. He says, I will tell you secrets when you are in this position. Notice, the servants don't get his secrets. The hirelings don't get to hear his secrets. But the friend. God says, I'll tell you some things. I'm going to tell you things that I won't tell nobody else. I'm going to whisper secrets into your ears. Oh my God, oh my. I'm going to give you direction when you don't know where to go. And it's all because I'm your friend. Woo. I got some people, Brian, that quite frankly, I would not tell them a secret because I know they tell it. I'm telling you that right now. They call themselves a friend. They're not a friend. But I thank God I have other people in my life that, that I can go to. And I feel like I can tell them anything I want to tell them. And I feel like they're going to keep my secrets safe. And that's because they're really an intimate, a true friend. And so God tells us, you go from a hireling, from a give me mentality, to a servant that says, Lord, I'm here. Whatever you say, do, I'll do. To a realm of intimacy where you become the friend of God. Abraham's not the servant of God. He's the friend of God. When you hit this level, congratulations. You are a part of the remnant. Woo! The hirelings are not part of the remnant. No, 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 no. All the time, even servants get out of line. 
But when you reach this friend status, my God, with the creator of the universe, he says all of a sudden you are part of the remnant. And now you are an overcomer over any, over any enemy. He's going to make war against you. He's going to make war against your children. But remember, I'm your friend. And I declare over your life that you are an overcomer by the blood of Jesus Christ. And by the word of your testimony. Where God brought you from. Tell the story. You'll be an overcomer when you do. So, I close. I'll reiterate. God does not want us living in the land of not enough. He is not even happy seeing us as servants in the land of just enough. Would you dare to believe it? It happens in the invisible before it happens in here or around you. There's things going on outside right now. You can't even see the enemies fighting and working against you. If you ever got a revelation of who God says you are, of how God thinks about you, Quite frankly, it doesn't matter what's happening out there. As long as you know that he's in here, it doesn't matter about any of that. Faith has the ability to lift us above all of our circumstances and take us to another level of more than enough. That is where we are blessed. That is where not only are we blessed, but at this level, we become a blessing. So now our words, our sermons, they bless somebody else. Our singing it blesses somebody else. Your Sunday school class, it blesses somebody else. Your co-workers at this level, now they are blessed because you are blessed. Y'all remember Obed-Edom? Y'all remember that story? I got to close. The ark of God is there. As long as the ark of the presence of God is there and the friend of God's in the house, I mean, there are buddy buddies here. All of a sudden, everything that he touches is blessed. The moment that God leaves the house, the blessings quit. And everybody starts saying, we better go to Obed-Edom's house. Because not only was he blessed, Obed-Edom and his house was a blessing. And everybody that came in contact with Obed-Edom was blessed. Wouldn't it be great if some of you today would make up your mind that you're going to quit playing church and you're going to be part of the remnant and you're going to change this world. And when you go to work tomorrow, all of a sudden, because of the blessing and favor of God on you, everybody you touch is blessed. Everything you say is blessed. Everything you do is blessed. It's possible. You just got to become a friend of God. Let's stand. Get radical about your faith. Some people forget about God when they're blessed. But if you'll be faithful, He'll bless you. We're an overcomer. Are you ready, folks? The land of not enough, the land of just enough, and then the land of more than enough. Move into your promised land. Don't let the devil overcome you. He's going to fight against you. But we are overcomers by God. Father, thank you in the name of Jesus, your powerful son today. I'm asking you right now, Father, to touch, to bless, to encourage. I pray for people today that Satan is fighting against. I want you to give them this remnant mentality. I want you to let them understand today that the God that they serve is more than enough. That the blood of Jesus is more than enough. The testimony that they have because of their faith in Christ. It is more than enough. And in Revelation chapter 12, although we did not go to the end of the story. The dragon is defeated by the blood of the lamb. And by the word of the testimony. And today I declare the same thing against every enemy that's coming against our houses. Against our families. Against our churches. Especially during this season. We command them to leave by the powerful name of Jesus Christ. We are overcomers. Amen. Can somebody say, I am an overcomer? One more time. I am an overcomer. I, I want to say it where the devil can hear you. I am an overcomer. Pray, give God praise in this house today. Keep on playing. Sing. Y'all go ahead and start exiting. You start exiting. And if you want to take the side exit, you can just come right through here and go around that way. 